Songs of protest are common in Wales just now, firstly because the Welsh are a singing people anyhow, and secondly because for some years past they've also been a protesting people. Not for nothing is the red dragon the symbol of Welsh nationality, and the forked tongue of the dragon the badge of the most vocal protesters, the Welsh Language Society. David Ewan, whom we've just heard, is a leading member of the Language Society, a folk singer and architect who has been fined and imprisoned for his part in the Welsh language campaign, but whose protest songs, needless to say, have suffered no loss of popularity as a result. His satirical welcome to Carnarvon in the heart of Welsh-speaking North Wales for the investiture of Prince Charles as Prince of Wales three years ago is doubly significant, because it emphasises what most people in Ireland would recognise, that the struggle for the language is closely linked to the struggle for nationhood, independence and individuality. It must be said, however, at the same time, that not all Welsh speakers, much less the majority of non-Welsh speakers, see the question in that light. Carnarvon, famous of course for its castle, is one of the oldest towns in Wales and one of the most Welsh in character. It was among the places we visited ourselves a couple of weeks ago when the Celtic Congress was held in Bangor, about nine miles away at the northeastern end of the Menai Strait. Bangor is also a very ancient town going back to the 6th century, today a centre of learning and very conscious of its Welshness too. In spite of an influx of visitors, plenty of Welsh is to be heard spoken in the streets, and there are many signs and notices in Welsh in shops and public buildings. Coming from Ireland and landing at Caragobe or Hollyhead, it's appropriate that the first Welsh home we visited there should be in Anglesey, an island of rich plains and herds of cattle and sheep, but nowadays featuring some large factories which pollute the beautiful countryside around. Owen Hughes is a Welsh-speaking farmer and county councillor owning about 60 acres at Bryn Taig. Taking example from our own board Namona, he is engaged these days in producing peat moss for gardening. He told us how Inishmon stands as regards the Welsh language. I think Anglesey as a whole is about 65 to 70% Welsh-speaking. Now, 10 years ago it was 80% Welsh-speaking. Why has it deteriorated so much in, in those years? The influx of uh, English people into the county, and the introduction of heavy industries, the uh, technicians, also, of course, all those people from outside in English speaking. And there have been uh, a lot of those people coming in, have there, in the recent years? Oh, yes, yes. People are retiring here, you see. People who hadn't been here on holiday before and retired here. That would be mostly in the seaside resorts? Yes, mostly in the seaside resorts, yes. 
do many of them learn Welsh, the people who yes, come in like yes, that? Yes, quite a lot of them do, yes. And I think that uh, they're so happy in their new surroundings and they associate that happiness with the Welsh life and they make quite a good effort to learn it. So that generally Welsh is the spoken language all around, yes, even even in the towns? Yes, especially in wintertime. Because now in the summer we get uh, thousands of tourists in, of course, and uh, in the shops, uh, there's a lot of English spoken in the summer. But uh, once September comes, you'll find the all slide back to Welsh again. Mm. Well, what's your own market town? Llangevny. And it's oh, Welsh-speaking? Yes, that's uh, at least 60% Welsh-speaking, I should say. Although there are quite a lot of industries, small industries come there. And when you go to the markets... You, you speak Welsh oh, in yes. the shops? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You can do all your business? Oh, yes, I can do all my business in Welsh, yes. As with Irish in Ireland, the whole question of preserving the Welsh language is closely linked with the educational system. But unlike Ireland, teaching policy varies widely from county to county. It's reckoned that there are about 656,000 Welsh speakers in Wales, 26% of the population. But of the 483,000 children attending the maintained schools, only 2% are being taught mainly in Welsh. In the Welsh-speaking areas, however, the percentage is much higher. In some areas, like Glamorgan, children have to learn Welsh until they are 11, up to 14 sometimes, depending on the school attended. In Anglesey and Carnarvonshire, Welsh is compulsory from 5 to 13. Owen Hughes seems reasonably happy about the schools in his area. The primary schools are... uh Quite good. Now, most of the instruction is through medium of Welsh. Now, except one or two spots. Now, uh, the seaside towns, like Bentlich here, for, for instance, uh, there's a language problem developing here now because uh, it's about half and half English and Welsh, the number of children. And at Tikroes, Caigillog, uh, near Valley, where the air, the air station personnel, ch- children, go, you see. Mm. There's uh, that's, that schools become anglicised naturally, because you you can't expect those people they're only there for a short time. You can't expect them to learn Welsh. Expect they come and go. You see, and you feel that people nowadays are more interested in the utilitarian aspects oh, that, of language. That that, that, that is that is, that is I think is the cause of the deterioration because you see uh, people got an ex- uh, entirely the wrong idea about education today. And it's the utilitarian aspect and uh, getting on in the world. And, of course, uh, all this stress on technical instruction and science uh, instead of the arts. And uh, You feel that's a bad I, thing? I think that's the basis of the deterioration, yes. And uh, Well, after all, now, uh, as you say yourself, this is an area that's developing and you have all these industries coming in. Do you not think that people can carry on with this work and develop speaking Welsh just the same? Well, a certain amount can, yes. But, uh, you see, it's the, um, the, the high-ups in these industries. They're the, the ones, you see, and, of course, uh, they're the the wealthy ones, you see, and the, the Welsh people are inclined to sort of adopt their standards. Well, I'm going to go to Cymraeg, and I'm going to see you now, and I'm going to Rivluid nai ddwy yn iau Am un nai'n fachgen y bochgoch bach 
The anomaly of the situation where a child comes from a Welsh-speaking home, plays and prays in Welsh, but gets a schooling through English, is the theme of Daffod's Iwan's Chanair Uskol. Irish people will recall that it was only after the foundation of the Irish Free State that school subjects were taught through Irish. Even in the Gaeltacht, Irish was used only to explain English. A somewhat similar situation existed in the state schools in Wales, as Dr Jack L. Williams of University College Aberystwyth told us. Well, there was a time when uh, the education was mainly through the medium of the Sunday school, and that was through the medium of Welsh. But when the state system was developed, it was entirely through the medium of English. Even when my father was in school, he wasn't allowed to speak Welsh in school officially. Uh, Children couldn't be prevented from speaking Welsh, of course, but there was an attempt made to stop them from speaking Welsh, even in the playground in those days. And it is only at the beginning of this century that uh, Welsh began to gain a place in the educational system. During the first quarter of this century, the principle that very young children, the infants, should be taught through the medium of the mother tongue was adopted. And so the use of Welsh for education up to the age of seven or so uh, developed during the first quarter of the century. Then during the second quarter, this spread upwards and we saw developing primary education through the medium of Welsh. And uh, it's only very recently that uh, this has spread into the uh, secondary field. Even now, there are very few schools teaching any subjects uh, through the medium of Welsh at secondary level. But that is spreading. And uh, during this year, we hope that two or three more schools will be uh, established, secondary school teaching through the medium of Welsh. And uh, alongside this, there have been developed developments in uh, training colleges and also a little in the university. The whole movement for the use of Welsh in education has been spreading upwards, but uh, very, very gradually, and there is still quite a long way to go. Well, in the nursery schools now, there has been a big improvement there, hasn't there? Well, this has uh, brought in a new principle, really. Uh, In the early days... We used to argue for education through the medium of the mother tongue when the population in general was well-speaking. By now, we tend to do something that is entirely different. We now believe that the only effective method of re-establishing the language is by teaching very young children through the medium of Welsh instead of through the medium of their mother tongue, which is English. Uh, This movement has been spreading, not uh, as rapidly as one would expect, but we have seen evidence of success. And I think already we can say that there are more people, young people, particularly in Wales today, who have learnt Welsh through the medium of nursery education than through any other method of presenting Welsh as a second language. This is a growing movement. Where does the demand mostly come from? Is it from the towns or... Country areas or where? 
it's spreading all over Wales. A, a movement, the Welsh Medium Nursery School movement, was established a year ago, and uh, we now have over a hundred Welsh Medium Nursery schools. They are spreading slowly, uh, mainly in the industrial areas. At the moment, they tend to be among the middle classes. But if this uh, movement were to spread, there's no reason at all why uh, the Welsh language should not be revived. Then alongside this movement, we have at the moment uh, quite a flourishing adult uh, learning movement as well. So that, uh, That's the thing I was going to mm. ask you. Are there many people whose uh, home language, normal language, is English who want to learn Welsh? Adults? Uh, yes, this uh, is growing. If we look back to the beginning of this century, we would then see a very large number of Welsh-speaking pupils uh, who had no faith in the language. They didn't want to develop it, didn't want to keep it up. Then they become parents. They don't pass the language on to their children. Well, by today, this is exceptional. Uh, very few uh, Welsh-speaking people today who do not wish their children to have a knowledge of Welsh. And there are very many, a growing number, English-speaking parents too who wish their children to have this language. It does reflect a new confidence. Since 1968, there has been a bilingual education project in operation in Wales which aims at giving children from English-speaking homes a chance to learn through the two languages. Cardiff would be regarded as a fairly anglicised city and bringing up a Welsh-speaking family there would present similar problems to raising an Irish-speaking family in Dublin. Mrs Alwyn Jones, whose late husband Mr J.E. Jones was Secretary of the Welsh Nationalist Party, told us of some of the difficulties. Well, um, for instance, in the home, you have to be very firm about uh, speaking Welsh. And so our language was a natural language, the Welsh language. And, and your husband was a Welsh speaker, of course, too. Oh, my husband was a very ardent Welshman. And naturally, he was very firm on this point of the children. He died, speaking. unfortunately, recently. Yes, maybe, two years yeah, back. Two years ago. Yeah, yes. Well, what were the big problems in a city like Cardiff? Well, you see, the atmosphere in the immediate neighbourhood would be English completely anglicised. But we were very fortunate in having the Welsh school, the Welsh primary school at that time. And so they received their education through the medium of Welsh. Was that far from you? Oh, quite a distance, yes. And at the beginning, that was the beginning of the Welsh school when my children entered there. My daughter was one of the first 18 who went to the Welsh school. Now that school is approximately 400, has 400 pupils. But it was a very uh, small group to start with, only 18 pupils. How many schools like that are there in Cardiff at the moment? Oh, just the one Welsh primary school, but we're fortunate also we have established nursery schools, which are completely voluntary, I happened to be the first secretary of the nursery school and now we have six nursery schools in Cardiff and they enter at the age of about two and a half to three and so they have come 
become accustomed to being in Welsh groups before entering the primary school. Are there great problems of transport, though, or are they spread well over the city? Oh, there is the problem of transport. Uh, for the nursery schools, the parents themselves are responsible, parents' association. But for the um, primary school, the education authority undertakes the expense. But now, at the moment, there is trouble arising over the education authority taking on the expense of the transport. And now the parents are faced with a very um, great problem because it will be very expensive for parents who are sending perhaps three children to the primary school. All Celtic peoples know what it is like to leave the homeland and to seek a living elsewhere. In a city like Birmingham, for example, you'll find people from the islands of Connemara or from the valleys of Wales surrounded by thousands of English speakers, and yet many of them manage to maintain their national identity and practice a genuine bilingualism. Delwyn Phillips is a Welsh businessman who lives in Birmingham, but who remains very much rooted in Wales. He's vice president of the Welsh branch of the Celtic Congress, and his son, though born in Birmingham, is a Welsh speaker like himself. How is this Welshness maintained and fostered in what would seem to be an unfavourable environment? Well, there are plenty of Welsh societies and there are uh, many Welsh churches which conduct all their services through the medium of the Welsh language. Uh, attached to these uh, churches there are various uh, cultural activities and uh, through the medium of the Sunday school uh, the Welsh language is fostered and uh, it is uh, kept alive uh, by these many activities. It's possible in uh, Birmingham even uh, to have all your social life uh, through uh, the medium of the Welsh language. And it's also possible to bring up your family Welsh-speaking as you have done, mm -hmm. but uh, I'd imagine that there are quite no, a few people who don't manage that. No, 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 no. There are great difficulties in the way because they go to an English school. In my case, I was fortunate enough to send my son uh, back to Wales to have a Welsh education. But in most cases, uh, at present, uh, the children uh, have very little grasp of the language. Mm. Uh, that's the tragedy of the situation. You must send them back to Wales for education oh, if you, you want to ensure yes. that, they, that they will grow up Welsh-speaking. In the old days, uh, the Welsh, uh, like most immigrant communities, uh, lived uh, in a, a kind of uh, ghetto uh, and near their places of worship and uh, uh, the community would be a very closely knit one. It was possible in those days uh, to keep the language alive in a place like Birmingham, but it is no longer possible because people are, are spread broadcast uh, throughout the city mm. and uh, get very little contact with one another during the week. But when they would come together at these social functions in Birmingham, they would speak Welsh. Oh, uh, of course they'd speak Welsh. Mind, there is an element who, who don't. Um, but uh, the functions themselves are, are, are conducted through the medium of the Welsh language. Mm -hmm. 
And another problem, I presume, too, is uh, where you have what you might call mixed marriages, <laughs> Welsh speakers married yeah. to non-Welsh speakers. Yes. There's always a problem there, too. In that case, it is always the Welsh side that suffers. It, it, it always is subservient to the English side. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the churches there. Well, now, I believe the church in general in Wales has played a big part in the in keeping the language alive. Yes. yes. We are very proud of the fact that uh, that the nonconformist churches have played, played this part. But to be absolutely fair, that is due to an accident of history rather than any uh, great patriotism on their behalf. Um, in the early stages, by today, uh, uh, the patriotic element uh, does enter things. But in, in what way did they keep the language going? It just wasn't services, conducting services in only no, no, the, the, the cultural side, uh, uh, the churches looked after the cultural side of things. They, they taught uh, uh, little cantatas, um, plays, um, little competitive meetings. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, was they this through the through the Sunday school. Uh, not 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 through the Sunday school itself, but uh, through um, the medium of penny readings. Does that mean anything it to you? Does indeed. Yes, yes. Penny readings in that's Ireland it, too. That's yes. it. That's it. And mm. dedicated people taught the children. Uh, the penny readings in Ireland, of course, were mostly in English. Were well, they not? Say. Oh no, they in Wales. Uh, they always in Welsh. Wales is fortunate that in the matter of fostering the language. The majority of churches are favourably disposed, and so are many of the institutions of higher education. The teachers' training colleges in particular seem to be doing a good job in turning out teachers capable of working in a bilingual situation. In Bangor at the Celtic Congress we stayed in fact in a teachers' training college, the Normal College, of which Dr J. A. Davis is principal. It's a good example of bilingualism in practice. We are training uh, teachers for primary and secondary, and this year we are also taking postgraduate teachers in to do their training. Well, that's rather unusual in itself, isn't it? Uh, it's not as unusual as all that. Um, most of our teachers, about two-thirds of our teachers, are trained for primary schools, but we are also a specialist college in science, and we are taking postgraduate students for other disciplines as well. And this is, in fact, a place where bilingualism is actually put into practice. All the teachers you have on the staff, I believe, are bilingual. Oh, yes, this is a completely bilingual college. The staff are bilingual, and by bilingual I mean completely fluent in both languages. And the students, when they come to this college, can elect to do their whole course, either through the medium of English or through the medium of Welsh. Every lecture in science, in history, in geography, in education, is given in both languages. The student decides which language to take. And in fact, though, he takes only one of the languages. He only takes one language. He mm-hmm. decides when he comes in whether to take his course in English or in Welsh. Must he stick to the same yes, language, then? he must stick to the same language. Yes. And what areas do the teachers come from? The students here, um, f- 75% of the students come from Wales. Of the 75%, 50% come from rural North Wales. The other 25% come from other parts of Wales. The other 50% come from nearly most, nearly all counties of England, a few from Ireland, and a few from Scotland, a few from overseas. But 75% of the students come from Wales. And they are all Welsh-speaking? No, are they, they, no, no, not, no, not all Welsh-speaking. Of the 75% of students coming from Wales, 
50% are well speaking. Mm -hmm. And how does it work out in practice then? Uh, the lectures, uh, they have the same course, whichever language it's, it's they select? It's exactly the same course, whichever language they select, there is nearly no problem. There are ample books available in both languages. It does make, of course, heavy demands on staffing, mm -hmm. demands which you would not have in a monolingual college. There but are also other problems insofar that te for teaching practice, they have to go to schools where the teaching in the school is either in the medium of English or the medium of Welsh. And because of that difficulty, we have to send English-speaking students a long distance away from the college and place them in English-speaking in, uh, areas, either in South Wales or in England itself. You mentioned there that textbooks are available in both languages. Yes, yes. Now, in Ireland, I know the position is not satisfactory as regards no. textbooks in Irish. How have you brought it about that you have textbooks available in Welsh? There's been a remarkable improvement in the quality of textbooks in Welsh over the past five or six years. It's partly because of the support given to it by the Welsh Joint Education Committee, which is a national committee which coordinates the activities of all the local education authorities in Wales, and subsidies indirectly given um, to publishers. There's been a great improvement, not just in the number of Welsh books, but in the quality of Welsh books. For example, for, for the infant school, for young children, we now tend to buy plates um, from Scandinavia, from Holland, from France, where the production is cheaper. So for the first time we were able to produce really attractive books, as attractive as the sophisticated books which you get in English. Would you not say that that would be equally possible in Ireland? Of course it's possible in Ireland, yes. Mm. Except, of course, that the, um, with great respect, that the reading population of Welsh is much greater That's so, than, yes. you know, but yeah. it is possible. It's a matter of interest that most of the books published in Wales are in the Welsh language. Compared with around 60 titles in English, there were 177 titles in Welsh issued last year. Strangely enough, poetry seems to be most widely read, but even the most popular book will sell much less than 2,000 copies. We asked Mr Howell D. Roberts, Principal of the College of Education in Cardiff and a regular book reviewer, if he were happy about the position of book publishing in Welsh. Well, I think uh, this is a very healthy position. Uh, there are more books published in Welsh today than ever, and they are covering all fields. Uh, if you only looked at the nationalised effort issue of the Cymro and the Vanner, those are two of our weekly papers, you'd see a tremendous list of books recently published. It's going to take me months to read through these, and I try to read most things that come out in Welsh. But what strikes me these days is that they cover uh, novels, certainly, poetry, uh, biographies, essays, studies, some quite uh, heavy stuff in studies, but uh, they seem to cater for the more literary type, perhaps. Mm. And I think myself that I would like to see lighter material coming in Welsh for young people and for the ordinary people of Wales who may not have had more than school education, certainly not have had college education. Now, we want them to read, and that is where I think there is a gap uh, that I would like someone to fill. I'm sorry, I can't do it myself, but um, that certainly is a necessity, and other people have commented on this recently too. But the books that are published, do you think they're all read, in fact? Oh, yes, I think they're read, uh, yes. Uh, the, 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 the sales prove that. The publisher's not going to publish just for the sake of publishing. Uh, they must be paid. I don't think any publisher makes a great deal of money 
in in the Welsh publishing, but uh, they become even, they uh, strike out even, I'm sure. Uh, so the books are read and are bought. Libraries and schools help a great deal here, of course. What about grants? Does the publisher get a grant? Oh, yes, the publisher gets a grant from the Arts Council. Not every book uh, ranks for a grant, but the Arts Council has been very helpful here in uh, uh, helping publishers and helping authors. Um, County councils or book councils help too. The Welsh Book Council finds material and helps to see through the publisher. And what is the position then as regards textbooks in Welsh? Well, I'm not satisfied here at all. I mentioned this in the Celtic Congress this morning. There are so many Welsh medium or bilingual schools now that there's a terrific need for more books on subjects like history and geography and biology and general subjects because it's not fair for children to be taught through the medium of Welsh in the classroom and then have to go home in the evenings and use English textbooks. That is something that we shall have to remedy and do it very quickly. In a town like Bangor, one notices that nearly all the bookshops have a section devoted to books in Welsh, and one bookshop has very little in English apart from theology. There are also plenty of Welsh language magazines on sale, well produced and on all kinds of subjects. Howell Roberts tells us about these. Well, the magazines uh, are mainly monthly or quarterly. Uh, the most important monthly one is Barn. B-A-R-N, Barn, Opinion. And uh, this is not just a literary magazine. It deals with social questions and political questions as well, but it produces uh, uh, poetry, uh, essays and studies. Uh, then the Genhinen is a quarterly one, which is uh, strictly uh, literary. Planet produces work in English. Um, in Welsh, we have... Which is the Welsh Nationalist weekly paper, always carrying reviews of books. Uh, Tabod of Raig, the Dragon's Tongue, is a small publication by the Welsh Language Society. Now, they don't carry reviews. This is really a protest uh, magazine and uh, a political magazine giving views to the uh, Welsh Language Society. But the weekly papers, Vanner and Cymro, those two have regular features of book reviews. Uh, you write some book reviews yourself, I think, don't you? Yes, I uh, I often review. Uh, I've just finished one review now to the Vanner on um, the Anglesey Atlas, a very beautiful atlas produced uh, in Welsh and in English uh, by the um, Rural Community Council, uh, Anglesey Rural Community Council, and edited by Professor Melville Richards, uh, that's the last one I reviewed. I sometimes review for the Welsh Nation, the Welsh Nationalist weekly paper, uh, who also reviews uh, literary books in Welsh and in English. We must and, and, and the, what you might call the national papers are willing to devote an amount of space to Welsh, are they not? Oh yes, uh, the Western Mail, which is a, a daily paper in Cardiff. They have uh, an occasional Welsh column, usually again book reviews, uh, the former head of BBC programmes, Mr Talvin Davies, uh, often writes to the Western Mail in Welsh. Um, we mustn't forget the, the, the contribution here of the denominational papers, Goliad, uh, Ashan and the Teast uh, in particular. 
Now, those are papers produced by uh, the Calvinistic Methodists or the Presbyterian, uh, Goliad, Ashan, the Church in Wales, the Teast, the Independents, the Congregationalists. They come out regularly and always carry reviews of books. Would they specialise, though, in religious subject no, matter? No, no uh, naturally those would deal with uh, things connected with their own uh, churches and chapels and uh, uh, committees and conferences, but uh, they are, to a large extent, national papers carrying national news and opinion. Readers of Welsh, like those of Irish, have no daily newspaper, but they have six weeklies, the leading one of which, a Cymru, attracts a fair amount of advertising, but mostly I notice in English. On commercial television, too, the same applies, even where the programmes are directed towards Welsh-speaking areas. Television, Delwyn Phillips says, is no help to Welsh. The box uh, is the, uh, means the death of the language because uh, there's so, uh, there are so few Welsh programmes. Uh, we are getting uh, swamped even in the... Uh, in, uh, not only in places like Birmingham, but throughout Wales. Uh, the remotest parts of Wales, uh, the, 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 the TV box is the most important uh, uh, member of the family. But there are uh, quite a number of programmes in Welsh, are there not? Yes, and uh, some of them are out of a very good standard, but the proportion is so small uh, as opposed to the, the English programmes. Can you watch uh, television programmes in Welsh in Birmingham? Uh, we get, we get uh, uh, at midday, we get about four programmes during the week through BBC One. That's the only thing we can't. We can't get uh, Welsh television direct. Mm. Are, are Welsh people in Wales now reasonably satisfied with the sort of service they get from radio and television? Oh, far from it. Uh, the, <laughs> the Welsh Language Society uh, is conducting constant campaigns and uh, not only the young people are protesting, but the middle-aged people are refusing to pay their TV licences and are prepared to go to prison in defence of the language. This is a phenomenon that we've noticed lately, the, the militancy. Yes. Is, is this approved of by a large number of well, people or disapproved of? It's curious, even members of the, of the Welsh establishment, the very respectable Welsh people, are coming out on the side of the young people. It's a, it's a great encouragement to all true Welsh patriots to see how the, uh, the old um, respectable uh, conformist uh, figures are now coming out on the side of the, uh, of, the, of the militants. And I think it's true to say that externally far more Welsh is to be seen now than, than was for a long oh, time. Yes. We feel it's important that, uh, not, uh, that, the, that the language should not be kept hidden in the churches oh. and in the homes, but it should be seen in public, on public notices uh, and notice boards and, and above shops. And, but there we are copying. Which it is here in Bangor, for example, oh, uh, to a large extent, but I would imagine that there could be much more of it. But, uh, yes, and uh, I, I think here one must say that uh, Ireland's shown leadership in that respect, and we, to a certain extent, are copying the Irish. But do not think that uh, these external signs may not be a true indication of the, of the position? 
Uh, in what respect? Well, now, in Ireland, as you say, you, you'll see plenty of bilingual yes, signs, yes, plenty yes. of signs and notices mm. in Irish, mm. but there may not be very much Irish spoken in that particular yes, place. Yes. I think now in, in Bangor, where we are at the moment, there's much more Welsh spoken and fewer signs. Yes, true enough. Apart uh, from the shops, possibly. Yes. It, it, uh, of course, this movement is only now starting. I think in the future we'll see many more signs. Well, that will truly reflect the situation in years to come, uh, I wonder. Mm. Now, the post office nearest to us here, I've noticed, uh, what you would hardly see in many Irish post offices, notices of things for sale and uh, things wanted, all this sort of thing, and they are all in English. Yes, yes. Now, I would imagine myself that in an area where so much Welsh is spoken, most of the people who put up these notices would, in fact, <laughs> speak Welsh. Yes. Why do they not put the notices up in Welsh? Well, that's the measure of our subservience, I'm afraid. We still uh, regard English as the dominant language, and uh, we... And if you want to sell something, you want the largest possible public, and nearly all Welsh people can s read English. And uh, well, there we are. We are most of us are prepared to sell our souls for sixpence. The young people are, of course, the idealists, and as Delwyn Phillips said, the protesters in Wales today. But some, even of the older generation, recalling probably the militancy of people like Saunders Lewis over more than thirty years, would see protest as necessary and inevitable. Mrs. Alwyn Jones. I feel we've had to protest all along the road, whatever you want. You've got to make a fight for it. And these things are not granted easily until they realise there is a good protest. And then they seem to give in. That seems to be the only approach you can make. I think so. Why is it that authority never seems to concede in time or to do the right thing in the first instance that it has to wait for the protest? Or does it ever happen that they, they do the right thing? Well, in the case of education, the case of the radio, we had to make a fight for Welsh on the radio, and now there's a fight for Welsh on the television channel. And in time, they realise that they're up against something and they give in, I suppose. So we hope that and very soon we're going to win this television channel fight as well. Oh, my newid yn y gwynt Ach un hir fedyr y fawr Mae hod geentid Cymru o forganwg i gargymu I gyd yn defro nawr Mae ysbryd newydd yn y tir Ach ymryn defro i'w basg Wrth gofio am berthron Ac arwyr dewryw erdon A ner canrif yn ôl i'r David, the Ewan song there looks forward to the day when all Welsh people speak the Welsh language. And as that time comes, the young groups of singers who are now heard all over Wales will have played a big part in bringing it about. We mentioned the protest songs at the beginning of the programme and we spoke on the subject to T. Gwynne Jones, who is well known as a choral adjudicator at Arachtas Nguelia. We asked him if we were correct in our impression that the great land of choirs and church music was now turning to pop music. 
Yes, indeed, and a very certain, very definite kind of pop song, a protest song. Well, this is probably the, the result of the other Welsh language societies demand and the, the feeling among young people today that if we lose our language, we lose our identity as a nation. And most of the songs that we hear today um, are protest songs, and people accept them. Uh, as a headmaster of a school, uh, of a Welsh school in Colwyn Bay, I feel sometimes that we don't teach them pop songs as, as protest songs, but they come very often within the natural curriculum. But you do a, in fact teach them these songs in the schools? Oh yes, some of these songs, are the, the, the ones for the infants, there's one about going up, go, the little train going up, up Snowden, which, which the children accept quite easily. They don't see very often any political significance in these in the beginning, but it, they're catchy tunes. David one sings them beautifully, Hogia Llandagai and a lot of these people. They're lovely songs, they're catchy and people like them. You know, I'd like to see sometimes um, some real nice Welsh jingles on television. I, there's no reason why they can't have them in Welsh. I've never heard one, and it'll be a breakthrough, and I'm sure. they do sing the English jingles, I gather. Oh, yes, you see, my own daughters, uh, they, they know very well the English jingles to, to everything, even chocolate and beer and everything. They're, they're quite popular. Well, in an area where so much Welsh is spoken, why do the commercial interests not use more Welsh? Would, wouldn't you think it would be in their own interest to use Welsh on television in commercial... Well, I think they need a breakthrough. It hasn't started yet, but I think once that starts, it'll it'll develop considerably and accelerate considerably. At the moment, nobody, I don't think anybody's ever thought of it. And but Why it, haven't they thought of it? Well, I, I can't understand it. Aren't they supposed to be thinking of their own financial interests all the time? You do get it sometimes in, in, in advertising in papers, advertising cigarettes in papers, but well, that's, and I've seen advertisements in Welsh and the same thing could be done, and uh, these pop singers could I probably make a lot of money out of this, and, of course, it'll give some status to the Welsh language as well, which is the purpose of the whole thing. Yes. I've heard it said that television is the greatest single enemy of the Welsh language. Would you agree with that? Well, I would, because um, the main protest in Wales today is that there's not enough Welsh on, on television, and we have to be subjected to hours and hours of programmes, of, from American programmes, and very, very, uh, pro programmes of very, very poor quality. A British government report, compiled by what has become known as the Hughes-Parry Committee, recommended in 1965 that Welsh should have official status in courts, local government, elections and so on, and that Welsh and English should be of equal validity, a principle which was incorporated into the Welsh Language Act of 1967. But the committee did not come out in favour of complete bilingualism, and so the Welsh Language Society and others continue their efforts to obtain improved status for Welsh. How will things work out in the future? Is bilingualism the best practical policy? Can the two languages flourish side by side, or must one of them, English that is, in the end dominate the other? As with the people of Ireland and the Irish language, the people of Wales will eventually provide the answers to those questions. Here are some of the answers we got in North Wales. Professor Jack L. Williams. Uh, yes, very desirable to have a third language. But uh, bilingualism is uh, the aim to me at any rate at the moment. Uh, one's own language, a national language, and an international language, which in our case happens to be English. That can be a sort of pattern for the nation as a whole. And then uh, for a small minority, uh, there should be uh, a third language as well, which people will find useful. But I don't envisage a time when uh, knowing a third language will be common in, in Wales, but I do hope that uh, within the next uh, 50 years 
we can reach a stage once again when the majority will be bilingual. And of course it's very uh, desirable that this knowledge be used and we do seem to be making a little breakthrough there. The Welsh language is coming out more into the open in business, in administration uh, and so on. And so uh, I am fairly optimistic about the future of the Welsh language at this moment. A bilingual community, Owen Hughes. No, quite impossible. Only for a short period of time. Because in the end, one language is going to kill the other. And uh, there is really no need for the mass of people to know more than one language. You don't think it's feasible for most of the people to know the two languages and to speak either of them according to the need of the moment? Only for a short time, as a temporary measure. Must the weaker language finally die out? Tigwin Jones. I don't like to think of any language dying out. Obviously, what we want in Wales is something to have equal status for two languages. Well, you go to some of these, some of these European countries, Belgium and, and Holland, it's nothing to find little children of five years of age speaking two, three or four languages. It, it, it comes as a pattern of life. They can jump from one to the other. We've been very, very insular in this country. But I certainly think that once you lose the language, you lose your identity. I notice in Ireland your, your policy in the school schools in Ireland, something I admire very much indeed. I've had the wonderful opportunity of judging at the Rochtus on three occasions and admire the, the what you do, and, and going to schools, you know, between meetings, that language, that the Irish is taught there. The, at least they have a good grounding. It's what happens afterwards that's worrying me. When they, when they finish in school and the, the influx of English and possibly the apathy of some of the parents prevent it from going any further. It would be marvellous if people could jump from one language to the other. Have you any great demand in Wales from English-speaking parents, for example, to have uh, education through Welsh or Welsh taught in the schools in, in English-speaking areas? Well, let me say, literally, I am the headmaster of the Welsh school in Colwyn Bay. Now, Colwyn Bay is an English town. It's an English town of about 23,000 people. I have 250 children in that school. Now, out of those 250 children, 30% of them have got Welsh parents on both sides. Another 60% have got one parent Welsh and one parent English, and the remaining 10% have both parents English. So you see there is a demand from English-speaking people to have their children taught Welsh. And uh, they don't have to come to the, to the Welsh school, but they do, and that is the pattern throughout Wales. There are scores of Welsh schools in Wales. In some of the South Wales schools, Barry, for instance, I think about 90% of those children are from English-speaking homes. And yet, the parents now feel that they must have this language. Uh, and they, they, they come and speak it. They can sing in it. There's no reason at all why anybody can't sing in Welsh. You'll find them coming to these in Llangollen and singing in, in all languages. But for heaven's sake, they can, they can come and sing in Welsh. And finally, Dr J.A. Davis, bilingualism as a practical policy. I think it is a practical proposition. Well, indeed, I, I live in an entirely bilingual situation. It's all a question of motivation. Mm. A question of national spirit, in a way. A question of national spirit. I'd say it's very natural in this part of Wales. It is much more difficult in an anglicised town in South Wales. Mm. But you, uh, you, some people I've spoken to, in fact, are pessimistic about the future of Welsh. Are you pessimistic yourself? I'm not pessimistic, and yet uh, um, I suppose you know that with increasing mobility and increasing mechanisation and the creation of world units... 
um, it may become more difficult, but at the moment there is much more awareness in Wales of Welsh as a historical language than there ever has been, and there are far more people speaking Welsh today. Well, that's I mean, one of the things now compared with Ireland. Obviously, yes, there are yes. far more people speak Welsh yes. than speak Irish. Mm. And I've been through towns today yeah. where Welsh seems to be the normal language, which you wouldn't get in most of the big towns of Ireland. Mm. But, uh, you know, some people say that because of this very thing, that Welsh people are not aware of the dangers to Welsh. Mm. I think they're aware of, aware of the dangers. But I think there is a feeling today, you know, that where there is a great emphasis on uniformity, that it is well worth preserving those things which are unique in any heritage. And for that reason, I'm very optimistic about the future of Welsh.